what is family and how do we best care for one another? How do we help each other flourish and what gives us resilience in difficult times? From our earliest years to our last days, how we live life together shapes who we are and how we thrive. And all of this happens in the context of family. Well, Roy, you and I have done multiple projects together we before. We sure have, yes. But this is our first podcast. It is our first podcast. And we both know each other so well. We know our respective strengths mm-hmm. in our different fields. Mm-hmm. You are an award-winning music producer. Wow, 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 wow. You are. Claim it. <laughs> <laughs> and you, Rachel, are the founding director of Wind and Tide, a large, thriving educational community. Yeah. And you have about 3,000 families that come through your programs every year. We do. And that is actually what led to this podcast because raising children is difficult. And even on marriages or partnerships, children are the biggest stress in family life, Mm -hmm. which is kind of ironic because it's kind of the the fruit of our love for each other. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) So as parents, we need encouragement. We need to hear how normal our struggles are. And we need... We need a broadening perspective. So About what it means to be family to each other. Exactly, because family yeah. is not always just the nuclear family. No. Mm. It's our friends. It's, it's our community. neighbors. It's our community, yeah. our colleagues at work. Yeah. So that birthed this podcast. Our guest today is Australia's queen of common sense, Maggie Dent. Dr. Gordon Neufeld, thank you so much for allowing us to come into your home. Dr. Vanessa Lapointe is the author of the best-selling book, Discipline Without Damage. Jamil Papatia, you are a family therapist and a learned man. Musician and activist Steve Bell is an artistic purveyor of truth. David Loist is a speech and autism specialist. Dr. Malcolm Geit is a renowned Cambridge professor, philosopher, and poet. I'm Rachel Cram. And I'm Roy Salmon, and welcome to Family 360. Conversations exploring life together. We have had so many interesting conversations this year. We have interesting conversations with interesting people, which has been our goal. It has. As we've gathered these interviews, we realized our guests fall into three key categories. We've had interviews with specialists, Mm. interviews with artists, and interviews with storytellers. In this launch to Family 360, we want to introduce a few minutes of each, and we're going to start with a storytelling episode. Brian Dirksen is a well-known singer and songwriter for spiritually focused communities, but this interview is dialed more into his family story. Mm-hmm. Alongside his wife, Joyce, the Dirksons are parents to six children impacted by a genetic disorder called Fragile X. They generously and authentically shared their story of birthing and raising their children in the midst of what they realized were shifting expectations and dreams. Mm-hmm. When we start to raise children, you can have a lot of hopes and dreams. Mm-hmm. And as your family grows, those hopes and dreams will shift. Can you talk a little bit about how that process has carried on as you've raised your six children? Well, the really big shift started when we had our third child and we started seeing signs that he wasn't hitting milestones, that he had communication issues, and we found out that that was Fragile X Syndrome and that he would require support for the rest of his life. So that was kapow. You know, you talk about a shift. When we found out his diagnosis, our twin girls had just been born. So you had two girls, and then you Uh, had your son. Isaiah, and then, because it was very new, it's the most common cause of an inherited mental disability. 
Down syndrome is not inherited. That's the most common cause. And fragile X is the biggest form of an inherited mental disability. Mm. And I'm the carrier of it, which we did not know at all until after our five children were born. And they all carry different degrees of it. And it wasn't until Isaiah that we found out that he as well had it. So how did that land when that information became evident? I think for me, when you have your child in your arms, you don't know any different. So of course, your life just keeps going. But at the same time, there was this crushing disappointment that we wouldn't have a normal family, that our children wouldn't develop normally the way we had hoped they would. So it was definitely a big adjustment for us. Like I said at the beginning, though, when they're in your arms, you still love them and just who they are. So Mm. both emotions are still Mm. working together. There's so much processing and shifting of expectations. You know, my dad's in his 80s and I'll go have breakfast with him and we talk about philosophy and, and life and you know, we're, we're thinking, you know, I have dreams, oh, I'm going to have a son and I'm going to be able to do that with my son when he grows up. And all of those expectations come crashing to a halt when you get a diagnosis like this. But like Joyce has said, when you look them in the face or you hold them to comfort them or whatever, you just love them and you accept who they are. So you have incredible joy being with them and then you also have the weight that for the rest of their life, they're going to require full-time support. So you have to manage all of those things. You have to factor in their unique situation into every decision you're making. Emily Dickinson famously remarked, tell the truth, but tell it slant. And artists bring their unique perspective to our life together. Mm. Marcus Mosley is an award-winning singer, songwriter, and producer. He grew up in the southern states under the oppression of racism and poverty. His childhood shapes his artistic and civil commitment to seeing commonality and to appreciating diversity. Here's the opening segment to our interview with Marcus Mosley. Marcus, thank you so much for coming into the studio today. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. (laughs) Now, as I was preparing for this interview, I have discovered you as somebody who I believe has a deep desire for bringing unity between people. But at the same time, you have quite a diverse background. So I'm looking forward to digging into that. (laughs) So you are a singer, an actor, a writer, a producer. You lead a a 60-voice choir. And you were recently inducted into the Entertainment Hall of Fame. Wow. It is wow, isn't it? Who is that guy? (laughs) Well, it's a pretty awesome guy. (laughs) But then you've also been a chaplain during the Vietnam War, working with people with drug addictions. Yeah. And you were homeless. I was, yes. So you're complex, yeah. are you? Yeah. One of my favorite quotes from Maya Angelou is a phrase from Terence Africanus. He was an African who was enslaved back in 13th century, I think. And he, he bought his freedom and became a free man. But he said, I am human, therefore nothing human is alien to me. Mm-hmm. And that's my mantra in many ways. Anything that comes out of your heart can come out of mine, both good Mm -hmm. and bad. That's our commonality. And when we can see that, 
then we could begin to relate to each other. When I can see that there is nothing, I can never point my finger at you and say, I would never do that mm-hmm. because that's in me. But the thing is, is to choose another way. So rather than judging, say, okay, I've got that in me. How do I respond? Mm-hmm. Well, um, and you have a lot in you because you've experienced a lot. So before- 66 years. <laughs> Are you 66? Yes. Wow. Okay, well, just for the listening audience, you do not look like you're 66. I would say like 50. But anyways, I'm going to start. Oh, stop. stop. (laughs) Uh, Marcus, before we go into all these conversations, can I start with an opening question that we use just to give a background to who you are? Are you ready? You're breathing deeply. Here's the question. Aristotle stated, give me a child until they're seven and I will show you the adult. Is there a story or experience from your childhood that has shaped the adult that you are today? Yeah, when you mentioned this before, I had a couple of things that came to mind and I've been sort of vacillating back and forth. Mm-hmm. But the one that keeps coming and it, it wasn't exactly at seven, it was a little bit earlier, okay. but I lived on a farm when I was a child. Mm-hmm. And I never knew my biological father. He and my mom separated before I was born. But she had another partner, and he was my, quote, stepfather. And I remember as a child trying to figure out how to bond with him. Hmm. But I didn't know how to do that. We were you our... even aware that you were trying to do that? Yeah. I was, hmm. Yeah, I was trying to get close to him. Hmm. And this was in pre-Civil Rights Texas, so it was Jim Crow, Texas. Very dangerous, very hostile place. We lived in a little one-room shack in the back of this big white house. Nobody lived in that house. We weren't allowed to live in it. We had to live in this clapboard kind of shack. I remember the day we put a hole in the wall and put a hydrant in to make have running water in the house. That mm. tells you how old and how poor we were. Anyway, to make a long story short, um, the house had two doors, a screen door and a regular door. And the screen door had a spring on it so that it would close, you know, stay closed. I remember sitting on the floor in the, in the little shack, and my stepfather had just come home for lunch. He had been out in the field plowing, and I'd worked up my courage, and I remember calling him Daddy, because mm. I just wanted to... You wanted to use that I name. wanted to use that word, mm. to call him Daddy. I thought I was doing something special. And he turned at me and yelled at me and said, I am not your father. Mm. And he turned around and walked out the door, and the screen door slammed. Mm. And I remember sitting there on the floor, and some part of me broke Mm. and went up here above my head like an observer. Mm. And I began to live my life with that relationship, sort of an observer who was on the outside looking in. And that experience, I think, has influenced and informed a lot of my journey of my life, becoming an observer, feeling on the outside, and trying to figure out how to get in. Before we close this pilot episode, we're going to play one last segment from a specialist. Yes, we are. Dr. Gordon Neufeld is a world-renowned developmental theorist and author of the international bestseller, Hold On To Your Kids. His work is instrumental in what we're discovering about a child's need for attachment. He's a brilliant and passionate communicator. Mm. Dr. Neufeld explains 
Children do not experience our intentions no matter how heartfelt. They experience what we manifest in tone and behavior. Here is a segment from our two-part interview with Dr. Neufeld. We pick up just after he shares a wonderful story of how a parent engages their child through play. So Gordon, you just made this statement about how we need to see and connect with our child. And you're describing these very playful responses and how we do that. I'm wondering, is that affected by our ability as adults to be able to play ourselves? Do those two things correlate? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you, you nailed it. And you use the word playfulness, which is exactly the right word. Oh, good. It is playful. Now, if you're playless, if there's no play in you. You're... Which often as a parent, we fall into that yes. state, right? We become all functional. But what does that indicate? Mm. That we have lost the place of play in our own lives. Mm. And that is hugely significant. That's going to parallel with all kinds of other things, emotional exhaustion, with a, a sense of growing older. If there's any elixir, if there's any answer to aging, it's playfulness. Mm. Uh, Why do we lose it, that? Because we're in a work-obsessed world. It's all about work. We think that work is about fulfillment. And of course, there is no fulfillment in work. It's about achievement, not fulfillment. When you see a child engaged in play, it's self-fulfilling. It absolutely is there. It's present. When we find our own emotional playgrounds, I had to find my own music. I, I used to play piano for the sheer enjoyment of it. And then I, and, and then I lost it because of, you know, achievement, structure, accomplishment, yeah, yeah. and structure. Mm. And I had to rediscover discover it as a playground for my emotions and everybody has their bent as a dancer in movement as an artist everybody has their bent that becomes so important in our lives to to find that but if we lose our own playfulness it will be difficult to see how important playfulness is. That's why sometimes it's easier for grandparents. Mm. You know, it's just like they're finished with work, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's why we should raise children when we're grandparents. It would make sense if from we that point of view. If we it weren't so very a, tired at that point. It would point. make a lot of sense. <laughs> I, I tell you, you're a much different parent as a grandparent yeah. than you are as a parent. I think you have a lot better idea of your partnership with nature. Mm. Your job is is to provide a sense of togetherness, connection, safety, and so on, and allow nature to do the rest of the unfolding. But when you start off as a parent, you want to do it right. You're neurotic. You visit all your neuroses on your children. You know, you're outcome-based. You're, you're you know, all of these kinds of things. And it's really hard to relax about it. it. It's hard. really hard to say, well, you know, my, my greatest challenge is to put this child into the hands of nature mm. and allow nature to do their work. Mm. And of course, that is to preserve the place of true play. It's a lot of trust. It is. Uh, and not everybody has that kind of trust or belief, mm. but it's so easy to manage a preschooler when you're playful. It but is during so those preschool easy. years, especially if you have two or three or four mm. kids, yes. they're all in those preschool yes. years. I'm listening to you as a mom thinking, how do you find that though? Your own playfulness. How do you prioritize that? Well, when do your emotions come out to play? I think with your children, they do, but I'm, I'm sensing bit, you say it I'm needs to be just, more than that. It's a solitary activity. Mm. 
And that's a hard thing to find the solitary. Yes. Have you developed a culture to preserve this in your life? Mm. So it happens on a weekly basis. It happens to a certain degree on a daily basis. Is it when you're painting? Is it when you're drawing? Is it when you're dancing? See, so many of us are at work all the time. And now with the inbox and living in the digital world, there is no break from it. It's never done. And so we don't come to a place of true rest. And many of us are losing our place of rest even in our sleep, mm-hmm. is that it's not bringing us to that place of rest. And by the way, emotions don't rest when they're asleep because they're in charge of our dreams. Mm. <laughs> they're still at work. They're also in charge of memory encoding. So we mm-hmm. find the emotions don't rest while we're sleeping if they rest in play. So that's a brief look at our upcoming season. And we are so excited about it. We are. (laughs) We (laughs) are. Well, we've just had such wonderful guests. And And we're excited to showcase them. Yes. Yeah. Exploring life together with storytellers. Artists. And specialists. And specialists. We hope this pilot entices you to hear more of Family 360's interesting conversations with interesting people. So we're going to give you a few details regarding the Family 360 podcast. Subscribe, and our first three episodes will come to you simultaneously on Tuesday, January the 7th. And you'll find them wherever you find podcasts. Our first three episodes are child psychologist, Dr. Vanessa LaPointe. Who is wonderfully entertaining and also... So fun. Very intelligent, great conversation. And singer-songwriter and activist, Steve Bell. Who we loved, a very profound man. And... Adoptee and athlete, Roland Taylor. Who's our youngest guest. Who brings a youthful wisdom and perspective. She does, and she's wonderful. Our next is the start of a two-part interview with world-renowned developmental theorist, Dr. Gordon Neufeld. Subscribe, and it will come to you free every second week as new episodes release. And we have a website that is full of all sorts of interesting things. Family360podcast.com. Yes. You'll find a little more information on Roy and I. And you'll see a webpage for each guest, including a picture of them, their bio, and a transcript of the conversation. And the guests also have commercial offerings, like books that they've written. Albums. Music that they've Mm -hmm. produced. And you'll find links to get more of their product. Also, we'd love to hear from you, our listeners. So on our website is a link where you can write and ask us. Yeah, because we want to know how are these episodes hitting you? What do you want to hear more of? So we need questions and feedback. Yeah. And you can find that at info at family360podcast.com. So welcome to Family 360. Welcome. We're excited to journey with you. I'm Rachel Cram. I'm Roy Salmon. And thank you so much for listening to Family 360. Family 360 is recorded and produced at Whitewater Studios and is supported by listeners like you. Each Family 360 episode ends with music inspired by the words of our guest. You heard bits and pieces of this music during this interview. Here's the song in its entirety. And you can find it in our resource section for every episode or wherever you stream music.
Thanks for listening to Family 360. Subscribe and share with a friend.